0: In our study of Acts, I've, I've said several times as we've, as we've begun the study that God is teaching us, that God is instructing our church in these end days as we look at the church in the early days. And I believe that. I believe as we watch what's happening, as we see what is unfolding, I believe it's exactly clear. He is teaching our church in these last days, these end days, before he comes again by looking at the church in the early days. And I'll just tell you, I believe it is as vital and as important as those days were to the start of the movement, to the, to the kingdom of God. I believe these days are just as vital and just as important to the eternal cause of Jesus Christ. Listen, Jesus is coming again very soon those outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ will eternally perish. And I believe what we do in these days, these last days, is just as necessary, just as vital to the cause of Jesus Christ. Well, as we are living in these days, as we are existing in these days, and as the world is becoming increasingly more wicked, look look around and see that, as Jesus is to come again very soon, as we are existing in these days, I wanna ask a very important question. Uh, I believe it's a very practical question, a very relevant question. And that question is this. What is the most important thing to look for in a church? Have you ever thought about that? What is the most important thing to look for in a church. Now, I'm gonna say the single most important thing to look for in a church. Now, you may move away from here. It seems people are doing that. Uh, Somebody may ask you, well, what's the most important thing for me to look in church? Uh, Our kids will go off somewhere. Uh, In just seven or eight months, Sarah's gonna move to Dallas. Uh, I'm trying to get used to saying that. (laughs) And for the first time in her life, her dad will not be her pastor, and she's gonna have to figure out What is the most important thing to look for in a church? Now, let me just tell you this, and I'll just tell you this is what I believe. I believe most people have this wrong, and I believe our church culture today, I believe our popular culture today, that most people have this wrong And I believe it is costing them. I believe it's costing their walk. I believe it's costing their homes. I believe it is truly costing them. And so what is the most important thing to look for in a church? Is it community? Is it like people? Is it friendliness? Surely we want to find a friendly church. Is it fun and is it fellowship? Is it the style that we like? Well, I don't wanna worship somewhere I don't enjoy the style. Is it the, the style that we like? Is it the, the location that's easy to get to and maybe there's not that much traffic? Is it the, the music in the band or the choir? Is it their, their activity in the community and what they, they do in the community? Is that what we should look for? Is it their, their reputation in the community? Should we go out and see what the community says? Is it the things that they offer, the, the children's programs or the youth group? Surely we would want church choose a church by its youth group. Is it the facilities? Are they modern? Are they nice? Are they useful? Is it the size of the church, a small church or a, a large church or a mega church? Is that what should determine the size that fits us? Is it the denomination? Surely we'll go along denominational lines. Is that what will decide it? Is it the age of the people? I would like to be with older people or I would wanna be with younger families. Is it how you fit in, how you are accepted? If you were new to town, what is the most important thing to look for in a church? In this church, listen, in this church, what is the most important thing to look for? Get this, be very sure. The single most important thing to look for in a church is the careful, consistent, correct teaching of the Word of God, period. Amen. Do not overlook that. The most important thing. To look forward to church, when my kids go out of my house, if you move to another town, if somebody were to call you on the phone, even in this church today, the most important thing to look forward in the church is the careful, consistent, correct teaching of the Word of God. Everything else will move out from that. Today our message is entitled, The Main Thing, The Main Thing. Thing. We're in Acts chapter 6, today verses 1 through 7. Acts chapter 6, today verses 1 through 7. The main thing, I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of the word of God. Acts chapter 6 beginning here in verse 1. <clears throat> now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So the 12 summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, It is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The statement found approval with the whole congregation. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. And these they brought before the apostles, and after praying, they laid their hands on them. Verse seven, the word of God kept spreading, and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dearly Father, we come today and we worship you, we praise you, we thank you. Lord, we come on this Lord's Day and we're thankful for a risen Savior, a resurrected Savior, our our Lord, our King, Jesus Christ. We come as his people today and we assemble to to celebrate him, to exalt him, to lift up his name. Lord, I'm thankful for this testimony of baptism. I'm thankful for Sadie. I, I pray again that she would find a church that would encourage her, that would love her, that would speak and teach and study the truth with her, and lay a foundation, and I pray for a tremendous disciple of Jesus Christ in her. Lord, I, I pray for this hour now. I pray as we begin to study, I, I pray that you would open our ears and our hearts and our minds, and I pray it would truly be a supernatural event, not a, not a college lecture, not the passing on of just information, but I pray that you would speak to us through your word today. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, I I pray that in the preaching of the gospel that today might be their day of salvation. Lord, I'd ask that you'd remove any hindrances. And I pray that all that we've done, the, the music, the songs, the preaching, the fellowship, our tithes and offerings, all of it will be for the glory of our hope, our King, our Savior, Jesus. Lord, I pray all this in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Our verses today, we are really not exactly sure of the timetable of when this event unfolds. It could be as far as five years out from the day of the forming of the church at Pentecost. Now, we're not sure of that. Again, it could be as as far as five years. I believe it's at least a couple years, several years since the formation of the church. Now, we do know that the word of God has been preached. We know that it's been faithfully preached there in the church. We also know that many people have been added to the church. The Bible gives us that account and this many were added and this many were added and we read several times they are continuing to increase in number. And so we know it has been some time the the preaching of the gospel, the truth of Christ has endured and people have been added to church the church and that sets our context for today. Let's begin looking at our verses, chapter 6, verse 1. Now, at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. Bible says, at this time, at this time, the church was still increasing. Uh, the estimation would be, and if you were to try to figure this out based upon the time flow, uh, the estimation would be there would be at least 20,000 people uh, that belong to the church that were followers of Jesus Christ. There may have been more. I suspect there were more than that, but there's at least 20,000 people uh, that, are, that are members participating in the church of Jesus Christ. Also understand, the church was still in the immediate area of Jerusalem. There might have been some on the outskirts of Jerusalem, but the church was primarily a movement there in the city of Jerusalem. It is made up of Jewish converts, those that identified Christ as the promised Messiah, uh, Jewish Christians. Bible says, at this time, into that context a problem springs up. Now, let me, let me start off by saying this, and it should be no surprise, some of you may amen this, but there are problems in the church. Believe it or not, there are problems in the church. I have done a lot of research on this. I've done a lot of studying on this topic. I've asked around, and here's what I have decided. There are problems in the church Because there are people in the church. That is is my conclusion. There's going to be a problem anytime you deal with people. Some people act like they're going to find the perfect church. You ever ever watch that? They act like they're going to find a church and there's never a problem there. It's all awesome there and there's never going to be a problem there. They're going to find the perfect church. Let me tell you, it's not going to happen. Churches are made up Of people. I I was thinking about this yesterday. You ever notice in every town where there is a first Baptist church, there is also a second Baptist church? Somebody thought they would find a church that had no problems. And if they didn't, they thought, you know what, we'll just take our Bible and we'll go start one. There are gonna be problems in the church. Well, their problem was a complaint arose. That's what the Bible says. In the Greek, the complaint is the word murmuring, murmuring, or it could be the word grumbling. Also, notice this: any times there are problems in the church, it is marked by grumbling. Well, there is grumbling going on in the early church. It says the the Hellenistic Jews are murmuring; they are grumbling against the native Hebrews. Now, what that looks like is here's this set of folks and here's this set of folks, and there is a discord, there is a a grumbling, there is a murmuring against this other set. The Hellenistic, that means Greek Jews. Now, they were from the dysphoria. This was a time that because of pressure they had been scattered. Well, now they had come back, they had taken on the Greek culture They had taken on the Greek language and after their dispersion, they came back and they were these Hellenistic Jews. They were Jewish, but they they had a Greek background and a Greek language, then the, the, the Hebrews, they were the, the natural-speaking Jews. They were the ones that spoke uh, Aramaic or Hebrew. And so they were the ones that had stayed there and, re, and retained the language, and they spoke Aramaic probably and maybe Hebrew. And then there were these that had been scattered, and they returned, and they brought their Greek background with them. The Bible says the Greek Jews, the Hellenistic Jews, Had an issue that their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. Now, it's interesting. Uh, This was a Jewish norm, this was a Jewish practice. They would take care of the widows, they would give them a weekly check, and they would give them daily meals, uh, usually an evening meal. And so that was a Jewish thing. Well, it had become a Christian thing as well. It had become a Christian norm as well. And so they're instructed, take care of the widows. And so the church would provide a meal for the widows. Now, it is also interesting to me, the Greek Jews that were in dispersion, the diaspora, when they were out scattered and their husbands died, the woman, the widow, would generally move back to Jerusalem to be with her people. Well, that makes a lot of sense. They're, they're scattered because of the pressure, but now maybe her husband's died, maybe her sons have died, and so that widow would move back to Jerusalem to be with their people. Well, that means there is an abundance of Greek Jewish widows, of Hellenistic widows, and so they're growing, there's a population of them there in the church. Well... The Bible says they were being overlooked in the daily meal. Now, if you look at the word overlooked, uh, I do not believe it was malicious. Uh, I do not believe it was in prejudice. I don't think they said, you know what, we'll feed our folks first and then we'll feed them later. Uh, I don't even think it was intentional, but I, I believe as this population was growing They were just being overlooked and I believe that's what it was. We're overlooking them. We didn't know about them. We didn't count them and so the Hellenistic widows are being overlooked. I believe that is what is happening and it is an issue in the church. Now, the Bible says because of that, there is a murmuring or a grumbling. It may have been the stomachs of the widows. I don't know, but there is a grumbling in the church Before we move, I want you to see this. There are these two groups already there in the early church and they have different backgrounds. They even have a different language. They come with a different culture. There are these two groups there in the early church and and very shortly, there's gonna be other groups, uh, really a a whole buffet of other groups added to the Christian church. And I want you to be sure and not miss this. I want you to be sure and understand this. The gospel of Jesus Christ includes all people. Be sure and understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ, it includes all skin colors. It includes all nationalities. It includes all backgrounds. It includes all income levels. The gospel of Jesus Christ includes all people. And so I want you to hear me today. If your church doesn't, then it is misapplying the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ includes all people. All right, verse 2. So the 12 summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, it is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Now the first thing to do is notice this. Notice verse one says, a time when the number of disciples were growing. And then verse two says, they summoned the congregation Of the disciples. Now, I want you to see something. I want you to notice something here. It does not say members, it says disciples. Now, that's a big thing. That's a big difference. You see, a disciple is a person under the teaching of somebody else. And so for Christians, These are people under the teachings of Jesus Christ. These are people under the teachings of the word of God. They were disciples of Jesus. They were followers following the teachings of Jesus. I want you to listen and hear this today. The church is made up of Christ followers who are learning and who are growing and who are studying the word of God. Do you see that? The church is made up of believers, Christ followers, who are learning the teachings of the word of God, who are studying the teachings of the word of God, who are thinking about the teachings of the word of God. I want you to be sure and understand, we are not attenders of a church. We are not members of a church, but rather we should be disciples in the church trained by the word of God. Be sure in these last days, we're going to need disciples. Man, there's there's a distortion on every corner. There's a lie on every corner. There's an attack on the truth on every single corner. And I want to just tell you in these last days, we're going to need people that know the Word of God, that understand the Word of God that are consistent in the word of God and they're passing that to their kids and they're telling that to the other folks in the church. We're gonna need a bunch of people that are growing in the word of God. They were not members, they were disciples. And so the 12 call all of the disciples and they say, it is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve Now, the best translation of that opening phrase is it would not be pleasing in God's eyes. I believe that's closer to the original intent. It would not be pleasing in God's eyes to neglect the Word of God. If you look up neglect in the original language, it means to leave, to forsake, Or to abandon. So the 12 say it would not be pleasing in the eyes of God, it would not be a good thing in the eyes of God for us to leave the Word of God or to turn or to abandon or to forsake the Word of God in order to serve tables. The the serving of tables meant to prepare and to distrib- distribute the food. And so it wouldn't be pleasing in God's sight to leave the, the teaching of the word of God in order to prepare and distribute food. Now, I want you to start to see this right here. Already start to see this. There are good things that need to be done in the church. There are important things that need to be done in the church. There are pressing things that have to be done in the church, but I want you to understand, the primary thing of the church is the consistent, careful, correct teaching of the word of God. Friends, we've got to understand that. We've got to teach that. We've got to be trained in that. We need to see the primacy of the teaching of the word of God in the church. When we go to the church, we need to see what are they teaching and how are they teaching. The main thing in the church is the teaching of the word of God. It's the most important undertaking of the church. See, our culture has made us into a bunch of consumers where we say, well, I like this thing or I'm looking for this thing. Listen, the most important undertaking of the church is the teaching of the word of God. That is how disciples are made. That is how you grow as a disciple. That is how you produce more disciples that in turn go out and preach the gospel and reach and make more disciples. That is the primary undertaking of the church. Here's what I've noticed. This is the thing that makes the church, the church. That's what I've noticed. This is the thing that makes the church distinctive. Now don't get your feelings hurt, but here's what I've decided. I've decided that the world can do everything better than the church, but one thing. And I I, I truly believe that. I, I think the world can have better programs. The world can have better socials. They can have better clubs. I guarantee the world can have better websites. The world can cook better meals. I promise you that. The world can have better music. They can have better shows and concerts. The world can have better playgrounds. They can have better youth facilities. The world can have better clothing rooms and benevolence ministries. The world can do everything better than the church but this one thing, and that is the faithful teaching of the word of God, and when it comes to that, they can't touch it. And they may put on a light show and a smoke machine. They may have a playground outside that looks like something, but the world can't duplicate the correct teaching of the word of God. That belongs to the church. Verse two again. And so the 12 summoned the congregation of disciples and said, it is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Verse three. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. The apostles say, call some men for this task. And they give the qualifications here. Qualifications are of good reputation. Let me break these down for you. Of good reputation. That means they actually live with integrity. They live with integrity. They have a good reputation. Full of the Spirit means that they are led by God. They are are submitted to the Spirit of God that lives inside of them. They are directed by God, and their speech shows it, and the way they do business shows it. They are full of the Spirit of God. They are are submitting to and directed by the Spirit of God. It says full of wisdom. Now, this is talking about not, not the world's wisdom, but godly wisdom. They, they possess godly wisdom. That means their lives are structured, are ordered according to godly wisdom. And the decisions that they make reflect that they have godly wisdom. And their life's not always upside down. Their life's not always in chaos because they possess godly wisdom. And then it says that are able to do the task. That means they could do it. They are gifted for the task. Don't miss this. A church where disciples are being grown should be producing mature disciples. Now that sounds like some profound thing, but it's really not. That's pretty simple. A church that is training disciples, teaching disciples, teaching the word of God, building disciples they should be producing mature disciples. A church that's, that's growing disciples, that's teaching the word of God, they should be producing people that are led by God. They ought to be producing people that are that are led by the word of God. And they they have godly wisdom, that that they have integrity in their life and not not chaos in their life, that that it shows up in the wisdom that they operate by. A a church that's teaching the word of God, they ought to be raising up people that are able to serve where they're gifted in the church. I've done some thinking about this actually quite a few years. I've done some considering about this as well. And here's the big question that folks are asking. How do you grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ? People ask that all the time. How do do I grow? I want to grow. How do I deeply grow, develop as a disciple of Jesus Christ? Pastors ask that. Seminaries ask that. How do you you grow disciples in a church? How do you produce mature believers in a church? What is is the plan for that? Is there a formula for that? I wanna tell you, there's a thousand books. Go on Amazon this afternoon. There's a thousand books on how you produce disciples in the church. There's hundreds of seminars that you could go to. But here's the truth, and I'll just go ahead and tell you to it. You do it, By committing to the church. Now, let me make you a promise. It's not gonna be popular, but let me make you a promise, and it is the truth. And and I'm talking to each of us as a believer. If you will commit to being here on Sunday mornings, and I'm not talking about half the Sunday mornings. I'm talking about Sunday mornings when the word of God is preached, and his praises ring out, and we pray together. If you will commit to being here on Sunday mornings, and if you'll commit to being here on Sunday nights, when we look in depth at the word of God and his praises ring out, and if you'll, you'll commit to, you know what, the pattern of my life, we're gonna be there on Sunday nights. If you'll commit to being here on, on Monday night, mission night, when we go and carry it outside the church walls, If you'll commit to say, you know what, I'm going to be in a Wednesday night group. I'm going to come to the meal. I'm going to laugh and fellowship with some folks. I'm going to study the Bible. I'm going to think about what we study. If you'll come to the men's lunch, if you're able. If you'll come to the ladies' Bible study when we have one. If you'll come when we deliver food boxes. If you, listen to me, will commit to the church. You will grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ, period. Can I read a book and listen to a tape when I drive? No. The discipleship program of the kingdom of God on earth is the church. We grow as disciples when we commit to the church. And I want to tell you, listen to me. You'll grow as a disciple and it'll be an awesome thing. Listen to me, it'll be an awesome thing. It'll be a blessing to you. It'll be a blessing to your wife. It'll be a blessing to your house. It'll be a blessing to the church. It'll be a great thing. You will grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's not a punishment. Why do we think that it is? I wasn't going to say this, but I just decided I'm going to say it. I'm getting older, and when you're older, you can say crazy stuff I've figured out. <coughs> Somebody once said to me, you make me feel like I have to be at everything or I'm not good enough. That's what they said. I know what they were saying. I get it. You make me feel like I have to be at everything or I'm not good enough. And I I heard what they're saying, and man, we're so busy, and I know we're pulled in all these directions. I know what they're saying. But here's what what I think. Man, I, I think they're missing it. You see, when we gather, this is when the people of God, listen, the people of God aren't like the world. When the people of God take up the word of God, And they come to worship the one true God. I I don't know where you go the rest of your week, but I don't know how often that happens. But they come and we worship the one true God and we sing praises to the one true God and we actually learn of that God. We learn of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And this is where we come and people pray for each other and God hears those prayers and lives are changed in the reception of the gospel and miracles happen and the gospel is upheld. Listen to me, friends. I don't want you to feel like you have to be anywhere but I want you to want to be in the, the body of Christ in the church it's not a punishment it's not a punishment you will grow as a disciple it's God's blessing it's God's blessing All Right, verse 4 but we will devote ourselves to prayer And to the ministry of the word. Verse three, therefore, brethren, select among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. Verse four, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Verse four, devote means to steadfastly continue. It means to persist in. It means to do something with an intense effort. It's not to just do something. It is to do it with an intense effort. They say, you know what? We are gonna continue. We're gonna press into. We're gonna do with an intense effort. It says the, the prayer and the ministry of the word. Now notice there, those two things are linked together. And it doesn't say we're gonna be prayer focused and not word-focused. It doesn't say we're gonna be word-focused and not prayer-focused. It says we are gonna be committed to, we're gonna do with an intensity, prayer and the ministry of the word. Hear the truth of verse four. Here's the truth of verse four. God places all sorts of people in the church. That's the truth. God gifts all sorts of people for the church. That is the truth. Now, I want you to hear this. Don't misunderstand me. God places all sorts of people in this church. He has gifted all sorts of people for service in this church. And I want you to understand the, the teaching of the Bible is no person, not one person is any better than any other person. Understand that. But I also want you to understand upon the authority of God's word, he has placed a pastor in the church. And I don't want you to buy into anything else. I don't want you to to, to be misled by anything else. And I want you to hear me very clearly. The best thing for the church of Jesus Christ is for your pastor first and foremost be given to prayer and the ministry of the word of God. There is no substitute. The greatest thing that can happen to a church is a pastor be given to prayer and the ministry of the word. I hear people saying, I don't know, they say it to me, I guess, to make you feel bad or something, I don't know, but they'll say, well, I I got a pastor here, I had a pastor back there, and they were a good pastor, they were a good pastor, pastoral care, they they were good in that, but then they go on and say, but they're not that good of a preacher, you ever hear anybody say that, they're a good pastor, not that good of a preacher. Let me tell you, that person is missing out. Because first and foremost is, is the ministry of prayer and the ministry of the word of God. And there is no greater blessing to a congregation than to have a God sent teacher who focuses on prayer in the ministry of the word of God. And again, everything else will flow out of that. Verse five, the statement found approval with the whole congregation. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Decanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. The congregation in verse five—they agreed. They heard what they said. They agreed with that, and they found the seven men. Now. I think it's pretty important to say their teaching, their discipleship program, the teaching of the Word of God, produced these seven disciples. You know what? We need these seven. Here's the qualifications. They were able to turn around and say, here are the seven. It produced men led by the Word of God, led by the Spirit of God, operating in the wisdom of God, able to do the task. And so they turned around and said, here they are, here are the seven I think it's also interesting here to see this. Notice there the problem was with the Hellenistic Jews, the Greek Jews, they're the ones that had the issue. Well, these seven from the context of the verses and from their names, they were all Greek Jews. I thought that was interesting. The problem is with the Hellenistic Jews. We're not gonna put somebody over them. We're not gonna have somebody go down and tell them how it's gonna be. They picked seven Hellenistic Greek Jews as those men that are gonna fix the issue. God's wisdom. All right, verse six. And these they brought before the apostles and after praying, they laid their hands on them. Notice there they prayed. They sought God. Now I want you to be sure and not miss this. It is his church. It is his gospel. It is his work. These are his people. And so they sought his answer. It says they prayed. I, I want us to be very clear. We should never move a step as a church unless we have bathed the issue in prayer. We should never move an inch as a church unless we've taken it to God in prayer. So it says here, it is God's church. These are God's people. This is God's answer. And so they sought God in prayer. Then it says they laid hands on them. In their culture, nothing, nothing was given to them. There was no special thing part of that. It was a sign of the transference of responsibility. And so, really, it was a commissioning. It was also a sign of confirmation. It showed that they approved. And so they prayed for them and then they showed their approval. They showed the giving of the responsibility by the laying on of hands. Notice this you never hear of the problem again. I think that's important. You never read later in Acts. Well, they're back. Except the Hellenistic people are really mad this time. We never hear. Well, they've they've called a special meeting, and and the Hellenistic people they got these they got seven folks speaking for them now. The issue is fixed. The issue is settled, and the ministry of the church moves on. Verse seven. And the word of God kept on spreading, and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. The word of God kept on spreading, and the number of disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. We, we need to get this here in verse seven. Today our world is lost. And, and sometimes we say, well, how's this, what does this mean to me? How is this relevant to me? Friends, our world is lost. And I, I'll tell you, our country is lost. You, you look today, our country is lost and it's in a tailspin. And our, 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 our state is lost. I believe our town is lost. I believe we've got friends that are lost. We've got family members that are lost. We, we are surrounded by lostness. And they are despairing in their lostness. They are hurting in their lostness. I, I don't know if you think, well, it's just the economy. Well, it's just the government. Well, it's just how the world is. Listen, we are, we are perishing. Our world is surrounded in lostness and their only hope is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Their only hope is the gospel of Jesus Christ. You could feed them, You could give them an education. You could buy them new cars. You could put an army around them to protect them. Their only hope is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want you to see what happens in verse seven. The word of God spreads when the word of God is preached and when disciples are made. And that's the pattern of the verse. Why does this matter to us today? It's because of this. The world around Calvary Baptist Church is lost And the word of God spreads when the word of God is taught and when disciples are made. And if you're wondering how we're ever gonna get out of this, what's gonna be the answer? The answer is gonna be this. The word of God spreads when the word of God is taught and disciples are made. If you wonder what your hope's gonna be, it's gonna be that the word of God is gonna spread when the word of God is taught and when disciples are made. The world needs us, Remember the questions of evaluation from last week? As we're going through this study, we ought to ask a couple questions to, to make it pertinent to us. Remember our questions? Here they are. So, is that our church? And the second question So, is that you in our church? Is that our church? Is that you in our church? The word of God spreads when the word of God is taught and when disciples are made. The world needs our church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come today, we're thankful for the truth of your word. Thankful that you instruct us in it, you lead us in it. Maybe we're sitting here today and maybe it's it's a joy to us. Maybe it's a confirmation to us. Maybe it's a peace to us. Maybe it's a conviction to us. Maybe Maybe it stings a little bit to us. Lord, I pray whatever the matter, I pray that we would commit knowing the world is lost and knowing that they'll perish. Lord, I pray that we would commit, that we would have integrity of our hearts, that we would commit to your church and we would grow in your word that we would grow as disciples and that we would make other disciples who would make other disciples. Lord, help us, use us, enable us, guide us, instruct us. Lord, bless us and use us. Lord, I pray for each person here today. I pray that you've spoken to them. And I pray that it rings in their head and I pray as they drive away, they think about it. I pray as they prioritize the next week and the next week and the next week as they, as they structure their lives they would consider that they ought to be growing as a disciple for the cause of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us in that. Lord, I pray for some in this room that maybe do not know you. Lord, I pray that they wouldn't be able to pass through the, the influence of this church and not hear the gospel. I pray that today might be the day of their salvation. Lord, I pray that in all of this, you are glorified for you are worthy. You are worthy, my King. I pray now in this time of invitation that you would work that you would speak, that you would lead. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.